Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out. You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hi, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see all of you right here with us on a beautiful Sunday afternoon in Chicagoland. John Meadows directing and producing. John's Glow here with you hosting. We have so much to get to today. The Bears' Super Bowl odds have been boosted for this past week. It's very exciting to see what could happen for them this year and how far they could go. We'll discuss and have a really good conversation on that. Have some news for David Montgomery. Turns out the Bears actually pursued him along with Minnesota. What went wrong, though? Why did the Bears not get him? Why could they not close the deal? We'll discuss. Plus, Cubs and White Sox wrapping up their opening weekend. We'll discuss uh, how both them did, what they could improve upon for this upcoming season. Appreciate all of you being here with us today. We're live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow me personally at John Z Sports all over the place. Support our sponsor, Amish Country Frogs, for the best Amish food in all of Chicagoland. Get them up today in Orland Park. Pie order forms going around. If you want a custom fresh pie from the Amish of Northern Indiana, give them a call or stop in today. Tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. Within a week or two, they will get you a nice, good pie for special events coming up. You don't want to miss it. Head on over there today. Well, want to start today with this. Are the Bears really going to be in the Super Bowl this year? Probably not. We all know that. But there's been some interesting movement on the betting lines regarding the Bears, and it turns out a lot of people are now betting on the Bears to win the Super Bowl. Do we think it's possible? Yes, I guess, but not really. But betters seem to think it's going to happen. The Bears have reportedly boosted their Super Bowl odds the most this offseason so far. Based on data from odds checkers, since free agency opened, over 26.2% of bets were placed on the Chicago Bears winning the 2024 Super Bowl. The end of February, DraftKings had the Bears listed as a plus 8,000 long shot to win the Super Bowl with only four teams ranked below them. So it turns out the Bears are being bet on. Now, this could just mean nothing. It could be a whole trap by Vegas, and I... Not a big betting guy myself. I'm not going to sit here and tell you spend your whole life savings on a big bet like this. But I will say it makes sense. And what really this whole thing shows is that the whole league is catching on. And that's what I love about this. Whether it comes true or not doesn't really matter. Maybe for some it will if they make a lot of money off it. But more than anything, it just shows the level of professional respect and the level of awareness that everybody around the league sees and knows what the Bears are about to do, what they're doing, and where they've been going. People weren't doing this last year now, were they? When the Bears fired their GM and head coach, brought in a new GM, new head coach, were trying to build up Justin Fields to be who he is today. I didn't see anybody back then spending a lot of money and betting on the Bears to win it all. But for now, this year it's happening. There's a reason why. There's a reason why people are 
projecting the Bears to be better. And this goes all the way back to expectations. And this is why I say it shouldn't be a 6-11 and moral victory type year in 2023. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, oh, we're happy with winning five games. It's too better than last year. No. But the moves you make, with the money you spend, with the players you're going to draft, it's time to think big for 2023. Not just me saying that now. The betters are saying the same thing. It's time to think big. There's respect. There's money being exchanged. People who know a lot more about football than me, even, are not just expecting the same old, same old for the Bears in 2023. Betters who really check up their numbers and scour over stats are saying the same thing. It's not going to be another five or six win season for the Bears. Not going to sit here and tell you they're going to win the Super Bowl. I never said that either. I said maybe 2024 would be a year in which we should expect big things playoff-wise. But this year, you have to admit, 10-7 and 7 is not a reach or a stretch. A lot of these bettors are going to bet on the Bears for the uh, Super Bowl. As the year moves forward, they're going to cash out their bet early and just make a profit on it. It's like a stock. It's like betting on the stock market. Same thing. They're going to bet that the odds go from a plus 8,000 to a plus 4,000, double their money and get out. And that's fine. But it goes to show you that people are taking notice. People understand what the Bears are doing. People see this is going to be a season of recovery and a season of moving forward for the Bears. A year in which it could be 9-8, and 10-7, and seven, could be a wild card, could be a divisional round appearance, championship round appearance. We don't know, but we do know that there are things to be excited about for the Bears. We do know that the NFC North, in my opinion, is still wide open. And nobody could tell me otherwise. I know Detroit is the favorite. That's actually true according to a lot of betting websites that you're going to look at, and that's fine. Detroit certainly deserves that sort of recognition. They took away David Montgomery, which we're going to talk about in the next segment. They have Jared Goff, who when healthy and when the right system is around him, is certainly capable of good things. They have a high-powered offense, and they've improved their defense a bit. Detroit is the favorite, for sure. But that doesn't mean the Bears can't make some noise this upcoming season. Jordan Love is going to have to learn on the job, like Justin Fields did last year, really two years ago, but even part of last year. Jordan Love, I'm sorry, is not going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to come out of the scene, throw for 50 touchdowns, and lead his team to a division win. It's just not going to happen. Jordan Love and the Packers are going to have to learn and it's going to be a pretty miserable year for them, frankly. Minnesota is the big question mark. I mean, last year they had the same point differentials they did when they fired Mike Zimmer after going 8-8 eight and eight, or 8-9. Eight so what are we really going to see out of this NFC North division? And that's why it makes sense for teams and people to bet on the Bears. Why not? The Bears have gone out. They've made big moves. They still have the number nine overall pick. Their picks relegated for the following year. They have D.J. Moore. They have a number one wide receiver. Then they have a couple of twos in Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool. They have Justin Fields, who's primed for a big breakout in year three. They have a somewhat improved defense. After a couple of signings, though, it looks better. They still have the draft to come. 
The Bears on the surface, on paper, if everybody plays according to their capabilities, according to what they've done already in the National Football League, they're going to be a 10-7 and team. Mark my words now. I've said this already. I'll say it again. 10-7 and seven should be the big goal, the lofty expectation for the Bears in 2023, and that's not unfair or too much or out of this world. I'm not saying fire Ryan Poles if they don't go 10-7. and seven. But I'm saying you've spent a lot of money. You're drafting high still. You've made moves, trades. You've signed people. Time to see some results. Especially if Justin Fields is prime for a breakout, like everybody says he is. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I do expect a better year than last year. And last year was good. It wasn't horrible. I expect a 92, 93 passer rating. I expect 20 touchdowns passing, maybe 510 rushing. Maybe 1,000 rushing yards, 3,000 passing yards. That's not out of the question to me at all. I do expect a better defense. I do expect weapons for Justin Fields. We see him right now. Unless DJ Moore completely crashes or maybe gets hurt week one, you're going to have some stud-wide receivers ready to catch the football. Darnell Mooney's going to be back and healthy. Got Khalil Herbert running the football for you. I mean, There's potential offensively for this Bears team. There's no reason why you can't go 10-7. and I'll say this every week we have a show if I have to. To really pound it in everybody's head. Because it's true. 10-7 and should be the expectation. It should be the norm. I'm not ready to say, hey, I'm happy with five wins. I'm happy with six wins. Or... They're still developing. They're still developing, but the era of rebuilding, the era of tanking is over. Time to win now. And all these things that betters are doing behind the scenes that no one's really talking about supports it. Based on data from odds checkers since free agency opened, over 26.2% of bets were placed on the Bears winning the 2024 Super Bowl. At the end of February, DraftKings Sportsbook had the Bears listed as a plus 8,000 long shot to win the Super Bowl. So, at the end of February, the Bears were a plus 8,000 long shot. Only four teams ranked below them. Now, over 26.2% of bets were placed on the Bears to win the Super Bowl. So, they go from being near the bottom, which is understandable, to now... A lot of people are putting a lot of money on the Bears to win. They're going to be better than 3-14. and I can guarantee you that, at least. And if they aren't, then I would say, hey, maybe people should be fired. Not even kidding. The Bears go 3-14 and again. Well, goodbye, Matt Eberflus. Goodbye, Ryan Poles. Goodbye, everybody. But we should be expecting 9-10 to wins. We should be expecting a wild card appearance this division's wide open. A stud Hall of Fame quarterback is leaving, supposedly. Maybe. We'll see. Things are going to be different. The Bears have made moves. They've made changes. They've supported Justin Fields. They have a draft still to come. These odds and what these betters are doing make sense. And we do need to notice and follow these trends. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know betting or you should do this or hang an inside scoop. I don't. 
I don't even bet. But I do know this. Where the money goes, that tends to be where things go during the season. I do know that. And if people on the side, not really publicizing it, are betting on the Bears, you have 26% of all bets have now been on the Bears to win the Super Bowl, something's up. <laughs> no coincidence to me. Something's up. People are seeing something. I mean, we, we all see it. We all know what the Bears are doing, but people outside are really seeing something about this team. They're looking at this team on paper. They're seeing what they've done this offseason and what's to come still. They're seeing the potential in Justin Fields for next year. The Bears are not going to be a run-of-the-mill type team this season. I just don't see it, and I can't fathom it. This is going to be an improved year. This is going to be a year in which we will see success on some level. Not interested in a moral victory this year, and you shouldn't be either, Bears fans. Not interested in seeing five or six wins and seeing that the Bears doubled their win total in 2023. Or like they said with Matt Nagy before they fired him, he never went under 500. Why are you firing him? Come on, really? Till the last year, if anyone under 500, then it was time to fire him? No. Don't listen to the spin of some people in the media telling you that you got to be more patient, that there needs to be more time, that things need to further develop. No. This isn't a construction project. The Bears have spent enough money and have done enough within one offseason to turn this entire team around. We don't have to wait five years to see the fruits of their labor. This is going to be a year for success. we got to start noticing it and holding them accountable. And the betters are noticing it. Whether it's being publicized or not, it's happening behind the scenes. People are betting on the Bears to win the Super Bowl, ironically enough. And whether they're doing it because they want to cash out later, or they genuinely think the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl, whatever it is, doesn't matter. The fact is, people are betting on the Bears to be better than last season. The Bears' odds right now are so low because of last year's record. What's going to happen this year? So people are saying, hey, you know what? The Bears are going to be better than 3-14. and 14 which they are. They might even be better than 6-11, and 7-10, and 10, which I think they could be and should be. So people are taking note, and it's happening. And we all got to take notice as well. It's going to be a new era in Bears football. This year marks the beginning, truly. Rebuild's over. Not going to sit here and justify a 7-10, and 6-11 record. Time to see results, and I think the Bears are on that right track, and as far as we know, the betting market says the same. It's time for success. It's time for action. I think it's going to be coming in 2023. Don Burr and the Hart Foundation go back and forth, huh? Talking Lions, talking Bears, and here's what I'll say about Jared Goff, and I know there's always a weird perception around him. When the trade was made, I said Goff would be a complete bust in Detroit, and I was wrong. I was worried because Goff was already struggling the last year in Los Angeles under Sean McVay, and I said, well, if you can't succeed under Sean McVay, then you've got a problem. But it turns out Goff had a great year last year. Goff was actually one of the top 5-10 to 10 QBs in all of football last year. How crazy is that? Yes, Jared Goff, he was. Not a controversial opinion. It's very factual if you look at the numbers. 
Do I think it's going to be repeated year after year? No. Do I think he's capable of winning a Super Bowl in Detroit? Probably not. That's the difference with Jared Goff. He's like Kirk Cousins now. I like Kirk Cousins. Stat patter, good numbers all the time. Somewhat of a leader, somewhat. Never going to win you a Super Bowl. And Jared Goff is the same way. I like Jared Goff, especially these past couple of years. I give him so much credit. You know, he could have really taken that trade bad. He could have been like, wow, Los Angeles doesn't want me. I'm going all the way to Detroit. They suck. I suck. But no, he actually has put up respectable, if not elite numbers the past couple of years. And I I applaud that. I respect it. I appreciate it. But do I think Jared Goff is this top five QB all the time in football? Somebody who could repeat performances and somebody who could win you a Super Bowl almost single-handedly? Answer is no. So the Heart Foundation, I'm a little bit with you on that. But, Don, I, I appreciate your support because I know that Goff is capable of good things, and we've seen it. Not going to crap on Goff and say he's a horrible QB. He has done a lot. But will he win you a Super Bowl? Eh, I don't know. I don't think so, really. I'm not fully there on that. And, the, the, you know, Goff... Okay, he made the Super Bowl before. Yeah, he made it in Los Angeles. Look at that team. Look at the coach. Look at the offense. I mean, that whole team was just built perfectly for him to where had maybe any quarterback been QB that year, they would have made it to the Super Bowl. Goff needs to take over in Detroit in order to be a Super Bowl champion. And maybe he takes that step this year. Maybe he proves everybody wrong. Maybe he does take a step and say, hey, now I am in control. This is my team. and I'm a good enough QB to win on a whim. But as of right now... I haven't seen it yet. Because if I had, I would have seen Detroit make the playoffs last year. I would have seen Detroit make the playoffs the past couple of years. I would have seen the Rams keep Jared Goff. <laughs> Instead of trade him away for somebody else who now barely can play in Matt, in Matt Stafford. So before we sit here and really defend Jared Goff, I would say look at the past. Yes, he's made the playoffs six times. Yes, he's made a Super Bowl. But has he ever won it? And has he ever put a team on his shoulders to carry them there? Last year could have been the first time where I would have said, hey, Jared Goff's a little bit different. He really carried this team. And he did to an extent, but they didn't make the playoffs. They fell short, unfortunately. If you want to talk about Jared Goff as a leader and as some great QB, Let's make sure the context is there. I will not say that if he had an opportunity to carry his team and he fell just a little bit short. I wish him the best. I hope this year he does it. But as of right now, we just haven't seen it yet. Well, this is Sports Talk Chicago. John Tegelow here with you. We have John Meadows with us, directing and producing. And speaking of the Lions, they have poached one of our own. They have taken David Montgomery. They have made him their starting running back, and he will be great. Calling it right now. He's going to be great out in Detroit. I just know it. You you know it's going to happen that way. It happens in Chicago all the time. Somebody leaves, and they do even better. (laughs) David Montgomery was good here for a long time, but I guarantee you he's going to probably lead the league next year in touchdown, uh, running touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. I could see it, like Jamal Williams did. David Montgomery is going to assume that role. And I think he's going to have wild success out in Detroit. Now, this is interesting. And this is why I bring up David Montgomery. We have some new news on Montgomery, how he got signed by Detroit, and what happened with the Bears. 
So uh, Lions GM Brad Holmes came out recently, talked about why the Lions went to David Montgomery. Now, the question was, why couldn't they re-sign Jamal Williams? Holmes says, we tried and said, quote, but when the market crystallized and it got to a point where David was in play, kind of within the range of resources that we had set aside, that's when we went ahead and went for it with David, which we're extremely excited about. Brian Pulse said, in regards to Montgomery, came out and said this too, Chicago came close to resigning him. What I would just kind of sum it up by saying players do have a choice. I thought we communicated well. I thought we negotiated well. At the same time, you don't always know what's going on in the background, but I thought we did a good job. We were transparent. We were organized, and it just it didn't happen. I felt like it was really, really close, though. Then apparently, according to Brad Biggs, the Vikings made a play for him. The Lions pried him away from Chicago and Minnesota because they offered more guaranteed money in the contract. Biggs said this, quote, Montgomery scored an $18 million three-year contract from the Lions, and what's notable is that $8.75 million was fully guaranteed. $2.25 million was further guaranteed if he's on the roster on the third day of the 2024 league year. The Bears' offer to Montgomery did not include any guaranteed money behind or beyond year one of the deal. Wow. So we're seeing everything play out. And here's what I find funny. Everybody has something to say about David Montgomery. That means... He's a good player. <laughs> if Brian Bulls has to come out and justify why Montgomery was inside, then the Lions are talking, the Vikings are talking, all this reporting's happening. Something's going on. David Montgomery is a quality piece, and I'm still disappointed that nobody could come to a deal with him because I'll tell you what, we talked about this months ago. It was actually on the Tape Never Lies podcast, their YouTube show too. And we were talking about David Montgomery, free agency, how much would you pay for him per year to keep him? I said $10 million is by max, and I'd even be a little bit uncomfortable doing that. Well, Montgomery got three years, $18 million. That's $6 million a year. That's nothing. And if you're the Bears, and, you know, I know it's business, but Montgomery's meant a little bit, you know, too much for you. He's meant a lot to you. You can't give him any guaranteed money beyond year one. You can't give them $2 million in guaranteed money per year two like the Lions did? Why not? It's like Shark Tank. You know, when they fight over half a percentage point, then the Sharks go, I don't want to deal with you. You're fighting over a half a percentage point, right? You guys have seen Shark Tank. Same thing. Why are we fighting over $2 million? Just give it to them. Keep, bring them back. I don't blame Montgomery. He wants to be set up for the years to come. Montgomery has three years left in him. Come on. What are we fighting over a half a percentage point? Mr. Wonderful would be pissed. Oh, David Montgomery. Oh, Ryan Poles, I guess. And oh, Minnesota, who somehow was in the running. And we didn't even know about it till now. All the NFC North teams wanted David Montgomery. Everybody knew the merits to Montgomery's case, and everybody knows to this day how good he really is, and this proves it. When you got three teams from the same freaking division on you, that's when you know you're good because the rivals are so sick of getting beaten by you. So if you can't beat them, join them. Take them in. That's what Detroit did. That's what Minnesota did, too. I'm surprised Green Bay wasn't in on it, even. If you can't beat them, join them. They were interested. 
They respected what Montgomery has done in a Bears uniform. We could sit here and be evaluators on the outside, say he sucked or he did this wrong or that wrong or he's getting old. But at the end of the day, the team saw something. The Bears' top rivals, whom the Bears face twice a year, saw something. Goes to show you he's not long in the tooth or being overpaid or going to be too old or has nothing left in the tank. David Montgomery is a very solid running back. And for some reason, nothing materialized. And now we're seeing kind of why it didn't happen. All right, Poles has a reason. I'm not going to sit here and kill him for $2 million. And the Bears have running backs on staff. They're going to probably trap one, too. That's fine. I'm not overly disappointed, but I am disappointed that had the Bears just offered him $2 million more guaranteed, he probably would have stayed. That does get me. I get you want your own people, Ryan Poles. You want your own running backs, your own blind receivers. You don't want to spend too much money, but you're obviously okay with still paying out the fourth most dead cap money in all of football this upcoming season, 20-plus million dollars. Why aren't you okay with guaranteeing David Montgomery $2 million in 2024? That's a good question. I'd love to know the answer to that. Probably won't ever get one, but... We will see this year who was right and who was wrong. We don't know the answer today, but the optics don't look good for the Bears, and they're sick. And then, of course, Ryan Poles saying, I thought we communicated well, we negotiated well. I feel like we were really, really close. But then the whole report from Brad Biggs, oh, Montgomery... Uh, took the Lions offer, according to a source, because the Bears did not include any guaranteed money beyond year one of the deal? Come on. And Paul said he's definitely going to run with a chip on his shoulder, so we'll be ready for that. But I communicated with him, too. Happy for him. He's a guy I've respected since he was at Ohio- Iowa State. And I love the way he runs, so it's all good. Well, it's kind of all good, Ryan Poles. I mean, it's not all good because had it been $2 million more in guaranteed money, the Bears could have retained David Montgomery. They could have had Khalil Herbert still. They could have drafted somebody and had him learn from Montgomery. And in two years, been really good. You wouldn't have had to go out and sign a veteran running back with 700 yards to his name from Seattle. I don't know. I'm just saying. Montgomery's the real winner, though, more than anything. And I think this is an opportunity to praise what he's done in the Bears uniform and give him the credit that he deserves. Really mean it. I mean, Montgomery has done a lot for the Bears in his tenure here. He gets paid good market value, maybe a little bit underpaid, but it's a discount for other teams. You give them guaranteed money for years one and two if you're Detroit, for the most part. Why not? This is not a bad deal at all for anybody. Everybody wins with this deal. I just would have liked to see the Bears do it instead because it's not a huge financial commitment. It's not like it would have made a big dent in the Bears' plans moving forward. At least I don't see it that way. Would it have really made that big of a dent in the Bears' plans for Ryan Poles or the Bears' payroll or the salary cap in 2023 and 2024? I don't think so. I really don't think so. We're not talking about Khalil Mack money or dent cap hits or big contracts worth three or four years like the Bears spent. We're talking about 
10 million guaranteed in total over two years. 18 million if Montgomery plays to his fullest potential. That's really not a big risk. It's a low risk and potential high reward signing, and the Bears just let him walk. Detroit is going to cash in on this opportunity, mark my words. They will. They did the right thing here. They still have DeAndre Swift taking care of long runs, runs in open field, runs around the 30 to the 30, but inside the red zone, watch out for David Montgomery. It's going to be the David Montgomery show, guaranteed. Jamal Williams last year had 1,000-plus rushing yards, 1,047, I believe, and led all of football and rushing touchdowns. And Williams was not the primary back, per se. Him and Swift essentially split carries, and Swift ran a lot in the middle of the field. Now you have David Montgomery coming in to replace Jamal Williams. I think he's going to flourish in Detroit. Plus, on top of it, we heard from Dave Richard a couple of weeks ago that Dan Campbell's always loved David Montgomery and has wanted Montgomery for a long time and has known him for a while. So this is going to be interesting. And I think everybody will be proven wrong or right based on this season and the next one to come. That's why I'm not going to kill Ryan Poles yet, metaphorically, because we don't know what Montgomery's going to do in 2023. He could get hurt, not play. He could have 500 yards, have a meager showing. Oh, he's past his prime. Fine. But at this moment, Montgomery is not over or old or incapable of being a running back in the NFL. It's just not true, even based on last year. Well, he was hurt half the time. When healthy, he could get you 900 to 1,000 yards per season and now may get you a lot of touchdowns. But I found this report just so fascinating, and I'm so happy it came out because we were all kind of confused when the news hit, weren't we? I mean, I was pretty stunned. Why are the Bears not going to pay him $18 million over three years? Why is this such a big deal? Why did he leave? And now we're finding out more and more. And at the surface... I find it sad that Ryan Poles didn't just pay him what he wanted, $2 million more potentially. That's all it could have been. This is Shark Tank. We're fighting over a half a percentage point, two percentage points, when at the end of the day, you're going to get a shark. All these entrepreneurs, I have a great business. I don't want to lose my valuation. I don't want to lose my company. Well, I'd rather pay. I'd rather give up 15% of my company for two hundred grand. And just do it and know I have a shark, then, oh, 12.5, 10% going back and forth. You're going to get a damn shark, dude. Just make the deal. And it's the same here. You're going to get a good running back for potentially two or three more years. You don't have to worry about your position. All it's going to cost you is $2 million more. Is it really that hard to do? I don't know. But I am not a fan of this situation. With this report coming out, it sheds more light on why the Bears did not re-sign David Montgomery. And I have to say at the surface... Not the right move by Ryan Poles. Monty's gone. Let's please move on. I mean, I'm okay with moving on, but this report's new. And I think it's fascinating as to why it did not work out. And this is something that we're going to have to hold Ryan Poles accountable for if it goes wrong. We're going to have to remember, hey, this is what happened. Here's why Montgomery wasn't re-signed, and it was just a $2 million difference, and it could have made a huge difference. So if Montgomery plays his butt off this upcoming season, hey, Ryan Poles, you kind of made a mistake here. He's made a lot of great signings and great moves, Ryan Poles. I'm happy with what he's done, but I will say, 
This could be one of those few ones that got away from him a bit. I love how people are still fighting about Jared Goff and Justin Fields. I mean, wow. We're going crazy out there in the comments. <laughs> Everybody getting pissed off. I mean, Jared Goff to Justin Fields isn't even a comparison. I mean, I would say right now, Jared Goff statistically is a better quarterback. We haven't seen enough from Justin Fields to say whether or not he's the guy or he's perfect or he's going to be a great QB. This is going to be a big year. The comparison in that case is not warranted yet, but we're not operating off enough information to say, hey, here's my informed take on the subject. We don't know. And they're two different QBs regardless. Justin is never going to throw for 5,000 yards in a season. He's going to be running the ball too. So the the comparison is not perfect. Hey, you want to compare Jared Goff to Aaron Rodgers statistically the past couple of years? Great. Kirk Cousins? Great. But Justin Fields is a completely different quarterback than Jared Goff. And Justin has only played two years in the league. We, we can't sit here and compare a six, seven-year established veteran who's been to a Super Bowl and has put up great numbers and needs a good situation with somebody who's had no situation, two years under his belt, and oh, by the way, he runs for 1,000 yards a season as a quarterback. You can't make that comparison yet. Or potentially ever. Justin Fields is not the same or close to Jared Goff, and Jared Goff is not close to or the same to Justin Fields. And that's okay. Every quarterback's different. Every quarterback has a style. I think we got to remember that, too. <laughs> we got to remember that there are differences in these two guys. And it's okay, but it's just the truth. It's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. That's what I'm trying to say. Not a perfect comparison. Need to keep that in mind. Sports Talk Chicago here with John's Glow, John Meadows directing and producing. We're sponsored by our good friends at Amish Country Farms. Hit them up today in Orland Park. Pie sales are ongoing. If you want a custom pie from the Amish of Northern Indiana, head on into the store, give them a call. They'll have a custom pie order for them, and within a week, they'll get it to you. Some really good pies, I have to say. Shoe fly pie, uh, lemon cream, so many good pie options that you could choose from. Chocolate peanut butter. That one's really good with some whipped cream on it. Hit them up today in Orland Park, Amish Country Farms. Hit the link in the live chat feed. Follow their Facebook page and tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. A couple of more segments here to go on this program. If you want to contribute to the conversation, hit us up in the live YouTube chat. You can follow us everywhere, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. We're live at Sports Talk Chicago. You can follow me personally at John Z Sports all over social media. DM me, comment, follow me. I'm responsive to all of you as we talk more Chicago sports. Habs and White Sox have been back in action. Spring training is over. Opening day is here. Opening weekend has been here. And I want to use these final two segments of the program to recap what they've been doing. Habs fans, you might get pissed at me. White Sox fans, not so much. Maybe. I don't know. So the Cubs have started out this season 1-2. and two. They've... Dropped a couple to Milwaukee. Brewers won today 9-5. to Cubs have actually had some decent starting pitching to start off the year. Marcus Stroman has done great in his first start. Justin Steele, very good. Jamison Tyone got roughed up a bit today. But here's the kicker, at least in today's game against Milwaukee. The Cubs had a bullpen catastrophe. 
Julian Merriweather pitched today five earned runs in two-thirds of an inning. And Jamison Tyone gave up three in his start. Only two strikeouts. Not a good showing for the Cubs in this first series. Now, again, first series, I'm not going to say this whole season is doomed because of three games, but really not the best start for them. And here's something that I found interesting. I want to check to make sure that hasn't changed. Cody Bellinger is 0 for 11 to start out this year. Cody Bellinger is 0 for 11. Eric Hosmer is 0 for 7. Now, here's the thing. I'm okay with Eric Hosmer being 0 for 7. It's a joke, but the Cubs are paying him a prorated league minimum salary. I think it's 750000 or 530000 something along those lines. The Padres are paying the rest of his salary. So that's fine. I mean, really, you're bringing in somebody with some experience for no money. I'm okay with that. Cody Bellinger was paid for a one-year contract right around $20 million. I want to make sure I cite that correctly. Cody Bellinger, yep, a one-year deal, $12.5 million in 2022. He's going to get $25 million in 2024. Let's make sure, $17.5 million this season. Cody Bellinger is making $17.5 million from the Cubs this year. Now, why they signed him at all, let alone paid him $17.5 million, is beyond me. I think that money could have been invested somewhere else, a starting pitcher, a Different offensive player because right now Cody Bellinger is 0 for 11. Ouch. Am I surprised? No, because Cody Bellinger has been unable to figure it out for three years now. You know, usually back in the day, I know I sound like an old man here, but I followed baseball for a while. When you go 0 for 11 or when you hit under 200 for an entire season, you get freaking demoted. You go somewhere else. You learn your swing again. You don't get paid $17.5 million. We are in an era of people getting paid for just no reason, just because of a name or because of a good year five years ago. Look at Chris Bryant. Rockies paying him millions of dollars, seven-year, $100 million contract, and he played 35 games last year. And Chris Bryant hasn't been elite or really good in about three years. That's a fact. Look it up. He's been a league average hitter for about three years now. But they're paying him because, what, he won a World Series in the MVP in 2016? Give me a break. Same thing right here with Cody Bellinger. Wow, he won an MVP in 2019. Who cares? What's he done since then? And the answer is zero. The answer is 190, 220 home runs, barely getting any at-bats in Los Angeles because he couldn't hit. And now he starts off his season with the Cubs 0 for 11. 0 for 11! And they're paying him $17.5 million. He's an $18 million man hitting 0-0-0. And he's 0 for 11 to start off this year. For anybody who had any expectations, for anybody who said, because a lot of people did say, wow, it's Cody Bellinger, what a big deal. You've all been proven wrong. And this is not a surprise to anybody. Hopefully he turns it around and I can eat my words, but this is not the start you want if you're the Cubs and Cody Bellinger, and for anybody who's shielded for Bellinger too, because there were so many people I saw it all over social media. Oh my gosh, we got an MVP. Who cares? What's he done the past three years in baseball? Zero. And now, literally, he's done zero. Oh, for 11. Horrible start to the season. What a joke. But no, we all have to freak out because the Cubs paid $18 million to a guy who had 200 because he won an MVP in 2019. Really? That's the logic we're following here? 
What a shame. For his sake, I hope he gets better. Don't think he's a bad guy or anything, but this is just bad. I mean, you're paying him all this money for no reason. This is not a personal attack. It's just, why pay him all this money? Dansby Swanson has exceeded expectations for me, hitting above 400 through these first three games. Nico Horner's turned it on a bit. He started out one for eight, but had a two for five day on Sunday, moving up his average. Ian Happ has been doing okay. Patrick Wisdom. And two for four, but two RBIs on Sunday as well. He's improving his batting average, which was at zero as well. It's early. We can't make judgments after three games. Really, we can't. I mean, a month or two, maybe. So, very early. But so far, I don't like the Cubs' lack of offense. I mean, you have a couple of guys hitting. People do need to improve, though. They really do. Madrigal has no hits yet. Master Buone has no hits yet. Jan Gomes and Eric Hosmer, we've talked about. Hosmer didn't play on Sunday, so he's going to still sit at 0 for 7. Trey Mancini got the start instead, first base, and he went 1 for 4. Cubs pitching is there, which I appreciate and like. Justin Steele and Marcus Stroman did great. Jamison Tayo, not so much. Javier Saad got blown up. Merriweather now got blown up today. Albert Alzaline, two innings, three Ks, no runs, no hits. Great. Mark Leiter Jr., one inning, two walks, two Ks, no runs. We've seen some positives, and we talked about this already. The pitching staff's going to be the key for this team. Really, it is. I mean, if everybody replicates even last year, the Cubs were 39-31 and 31 after the All-Star break last year. Just their young pitching, the controllable young pitching, did great. We still haven't seen Wisniewski pitch yet. Hayden Wisniewski, we're going to see him this week. Not to be excited about if you're a Cubs fan when it comes to the pitching. But something's got to give offensively. Something's got to get better. I mean, Cody Bellinger, you're paying him $18 million. He is over, what, 11 now? Wow. How do we not see this, people? Did anybody see this coming? I know I did. Had Gordon Whitmire on the program last week, the day before opening day, and I asked him, because he mentioned Cody Bellinger, do you have any thought or inclination as to maybe a renaissance for Bellinger, and he said no, and he's been right, and we we knew this. I asked the question because I wanted Cubs fans to see the truth in Bellinger, but apparently people are finding out the hard way. Cody Bellinger's not a bad guy. Cody Bellinger is not a horrible baseball player if we're talking about a couple of years ago, but today he can't hit the baseball, and he hasn't been able to hit the baseball since 2020. So 2020, COVID year, 2021, 2022, that's two and a half, three years, and now this year still. It's a pattern. If you haven't figured it out in Los Angeles, how do you expect to figure it out here? He's been ousted from the Dodgers. They didn't want him back. (laughs) They didn't need him. Trace Thompson, his replacement, who's been a journeyman around baseball, just had a three-homer day yesterday. Who do you think they care about right now? And who do you, or do you think any of them are even thinking about Cody Bellinger? No, he's gone. He's an afterthought. They did not want him back. He couldn't hit. And it's a shame because just a couple of years ago, MVP, great player. Now all of a sudden, this is what's happened to him. But Cody, you got to do better. You got to hit more. 0 for 7 to open up the season is just not going to get it done. Now 0 for 11. Hosmer's 0 for 7 too, but hey, at least Hosmer's not making $18 million from the Cubs. 
Cops are paying him his prorated minimum. The cops are paying Bellinger $18 million to do this so far. Something has to change. I remember when the Cubs gambled on Jack Peterson, one year, $8 million. That didn't work. Then Peterson turns around and does great, fine. But one year, $8 million is fine. That's a sensible gamble. The Cubs outbid themselves on this. Who was actually sitting there willing to pay $18 million for Cody Bellinger? I wish I have access to the negotiations that went on. There is no way somebody was sitting there trying to outbid the Cubs for $18 million for Cody Bellinger. There's just, I can't even fathom that. There's no way. No way. Why are you going to pay $18 million for an MVP in 2019 when the year is 2023? Well, the Cubs are stuck with him, at least for now. I guess the hope is that maybe he'll turn it on and Cubs could trade him away eventually at the trade deadline, but I'll tell you what, if this continues, nobody's going to want him. And then it's just going to be a waste of $18 million. And for a team that says, hey, we're a little bit worried about money and we're not there yet, and for a team that let Kyle Schwarber go a couple of years ago for $8 million, I find it very odd that they justify an $18 million signing for somebody who, like Schwarber, can't even hit above 200. Don't get it. Don't understand. Cubs pitching has done great, and that's going to be the key to their success this season. But if somebody could explain to me why Cody Bellinger is worth $18 million and why there was such a rejoicing upon his signing, let me know. I don't see anything good coming from it. Get your comments here. Still going back and forth about the whole golf and Justin Fields' argument. I, I have to say, I love the passion. I love the passion. I really do. I mean, I, I appreciate it. Not much regarding Bellinger, and that's fine. I guess I would just say that I hope Cody Bellinger improves, and I hope he gets better. I don't want the Cubs to waste money, and I don't want Bellinger to be a bust. I mean, Bellinger has an opportunity here to really revitalize his career and turn it around, but right now it's been a complete failure, so... I wish him the best for his sake. Seems like a nice guy, not a bad person or no malicious intent, but dude, you got to do better. You can't be going over 11 to start out your season when you're getting paid $18 million. You just can't. That's a waste of money already. Hope he gets better. Hope people see it too. Sports Talk Chicago, here with John School, John Meadows directing and producing. If you miss any of the program, find us on podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify. Also on YouTube, TuneIn, Odyssey, iHeart, any of your favorite, favorite podcasting platforms. If you search up Sports Talk Chicago, we'd appreciate a review, five-star rating. Move us up. You can subscribe to the channel here on YouTube where we have videos and live streams all the time, plus cut-up clips of each program. And hang with us always on Twitch and Facebook at Sports Talk Chicago. Find me personally at John Z Sports all over the place on social media. Last segment of the program, and as we promised, it's going to be more baseball. What have the Chicago White Sox been up to? What have they been doing? Well, they're 2-2, two and two, and they split a four-game series with the Houston Astros. I think that's a nice start. I think that's something that people should be proud of if you're a Sox fan. Mike Clevenger got the start on Sunday, five innings, no runs. Mike Clevenger, yes, who we talked about, and I said he's going to be a big X-factor for them this year. 
Clevenger was a league average last year out of Tommy John surgery, but from 2016 to 2019, he was an elite pitcher in baseball for the Guardians. Elite. He was. Dylan Cease had a great start, 10 Ks and 6 innings. Lance Lynn had a good start. Even Giolito had a good start. The, the Sox rotation right now has an ERA for Cease of 142, 318 for Lynn, 3.60 for Giolito, and a zero for Clevenger. That is a hell of a rotation, and we talked about this before the season. The biggest X factor for the White Sox was going to be their rotation. That's it. Their biggest X factor, the biggest thing, the biggest variable, the biggest way they could win the division and be good again, be elite, was their rotation. I think they have one of the deepest rotations in baseball, if healthy and if performing. Imagine all four of these starters have ERAs under four right now through one start, and then on top of it, you still have to pitch Michael Kopech, who, by the way, had a 3.18 ERA last year in over 100 innings of work, and who's primed for a breakout. He's a great pitcher. And you still got people in your bullpen who you could use, if need be, as swingmen, like Kendall Graveman, even Ronaldo Lopez, who's been closing right now. Well, Liam Hendricks is still on the IR. Lopez has thrown nearly 200 innings in the season before, 188 and 184. Although he's in the bullpen right now, you could easily use him, even as a spot starter. Sacks offensively have actually done a decent job. Yohan Moncada had a big game on Sunday, 3 for 4. Luis Robert, 2 for 5. Yasmani Grandal, 3 for 4. And Oscar Colas, 2 for 5. Anderson is hitting above 400. Moncada's above 400. Benintendi is right around 300. Robert is above 300. And Colas is above 300. It's early. There's a long way to go, but I'll tell you. This White Sox team could be doing it, and we talked about it. We said we need a lot of the, the Sox need a lot of players to turn it on this year. They need a lot of players to play to their potential. They need changes. Last year is not going to cut it. I was skeptical at first because they didn't make too many moves in the offseason, but I guess maybe they didn't have to yet. Maybe their guys are really going to turn it back on and perform. And I think there is a definite chip on their shoulder. There's a definite feeling of we should have done much better last year. Then there was the whole Tony La Russa saga and the distractions that hurt them. There were a lot of issues. And things got better. And they improved. And they used this offseason to get better. But I'll tell you, what a great rotation. What a great rotation. And how about some great performances from Moncada, Grant Dahl, Vaughn, Colas, Robert, Anderson, Benintendi. Literally everybody is hitting. Almost everybody. A couple of disappointments. Elvis Andrews not off to the best start. Aloy has been a little bit quiet. But that's it. That's it. Everybody's doing great. And that's exciting. And that's something we should be celebrating. Now, we were so worried about the White Sox and what they would be this season. I was. I didn't know. Everybody was picking lofty expectations, and I just didn't see it. But I'll tell you what, if they continue down this path, they're going to win 95 games. If their rotation stays healthy and pitches to their potential, they're going to win 95 games. And although they are 500 at 2-2 two and two right now through four, 
you split with the Astros. You split a series to open up the year with Houston. This is not some rinky-dink team like, I don't know, Kansas City or even Detroit. You split an opening series with Houston. Houston is no joke. Houston is no pushover as a team. They are great. They're always around. They're always contending. They're always in the picture all the time. And they won the World Series last year. You have a team who won the World Series. The White Sox come in going 81-81 and last season. They come in. They split in Houston. Not bad at all. I mean, really, that's a victory to me. You split with Houston. And hey, you face off against some pretty good pitchers in the process. Valdez, Javier, Yaquiti. You're facing off against quality pitching from Houston. And you hit them well. Because all your guys are hitting pretty well. That is a, an accomplishment. Huge accomplishment. Even today. Mike Clevenger with a big game. And they faced off against Luis Garcia, who gave up three. And then Seth Martinez out of the bullpen gave up three. The Sox made it happen. I just think we really have to keep the White Sox on our radar. We have to keep the White Sox on our radar. No other way to put it. I mean, if you're splitting with a reigning World Series champion and you have all your pitchers dominating their lineup, which is one of the best in baseball, you have a chance. You have a fighting chance. Dylan Cease, if he continues, he should win the Cy Young this year. He got snubbed last year. Well, there's a real opportunity here for some serious success for this team. And it surprises me more than anybody. But it's happening, and I'm along for the ride, and I'm happy for him. Because remember, if this year doesn't go as planned, I would say it's time to tear it down and rebuild it back up. You have a core here that didn't perform last year, plainly. What's going to change? And it turns out people are changing. And that's exciting. Very exciting. So if you're a White Sox fan, you have a lot to be proud of after this weekend. I wouldn't fret on the 2-2 two and two record or, oh my goodness, it was a split. No, I would say it was a split. Great, let's move forward and win the games we're supposed to win. If you split against the perennial World Series champion, the defending World Series champion, you did yourself a pretty good job. And you won game one on national TV. You did a good job, Chicago. Great job. Now it's time for a situation in which the Sox could face off against some decent competition, win a lot of games that are winnable, and win this division if possible. If they play like they've been playing this past weekend, if they pitch like they're capable of pitching, the sky's the limit for them. The offense isn't even as integral as their pitching. Their pitching last year was decimated. At Dallas Keuchel, who's designated for assignment after an ADRA, Lance Lynn sucked, Giolito had a bad year, Cease was great, and Kopech got hurt. That's the story of the White Sox 2022 season, not to mention horrible offense, Tony La Russa, and the whole distraction it was horrible. Now instead, new manager, new culture, 
healthy pitching staff, and believe it or not, a pretty good offensive attack so far. This is a huge opportunity. And they started out certainly on the right foot by splitting against Houston in Houston to open up their season. Don Burr, Antmus, everybody pissed at one another. The Hart Foundation still throwing some hands. We're throwing hands in the chat here. People are fighting. Bears have been building since 1985. When did the Lions win the Super Bowl again? <laughs> Lions, 200 wins from hitting 500 all time. Karen B, go Cubs. Yeah, Cubs, though, started out one and two, but not horrible. You have a chance to turn things around. Comparing Goff to Lamar Jackson, another dumb comparison in my opinion, too. Uh, it's like comparing Goff to Justin Fields. We have two different quarterbacks with different skill sets, with different things to their name. Different offensive offenses, different schemes, different weapons, different mindsets. You cannot compare those two QBs, guys. Come on. <laughs> Need to be real here. On that note... <laughs> We'll be uh, ready to go here on today's program. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Remember, you to do some things for me here if you could. Subscribe to the channel. We just hit 18,100 subscribers. We're on our quest to 20,000. And any subscription certainly helps. Like the video as well. You can find us also on Twitch and Facebook at Sports Talk Chicago. Find me personally at John Z Sports all over the place on social media. Big thank you to John Meadows for directing and producing. Big thank you to our sponsor, Amish Country Farm. For the best Amish food in all of Chicagoland, hit them up today in Orland Park. High order forms are out. Fresh food is coming in. Don't miss it. Find them today. Call them or go in and tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. We're going to be live on Wednesday night. We have Mark Shanowski joining us. Mark Shanowski from ABC7 covers the Bulls. We're going to talk Bulls and Chicago Bears with him. Don't miss that conversation. We have some more stuff coming in the pipeline as well. So stay with us here on Sports Talk Chicago. We're certainly appreciative of all of you who continue to support. Tune in each and every time we go. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. So long, everyone.